Hello world and welcome back to the Morning Geekdom Podcast. As always, I am your host, Anthony Matulin, and today I am joined by Damien. On today's episode, we will be discussing my favorite film of 2018, A Quiet Place. How you doing, sir? Doing well, man. Living the dream. Living the dream. How was your uh, your New Year's? Haven't talked to you much since then. It was good. It's pretty low key. Um, just kind of hung out for the most part. Uh, I was back up from from uh, visiting family in LA over Christmas. So, yeah, low key. All right. Just uh, in in bed by like what nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> No, I, I definitely probably would have been asleep by normal time, which is like 10, 30, 11, but uh, my roommate had people over and so I felt obligated and I got roped into making cocktails. So I made it to 1230, which seemed appropriate to bid everyone adieu. Adieu. Welcome to 2019. I'm fucking out. Going to bed. Um, no Smash Brothers? No, no Smash Brothers. <laughs> they were going right. pretty hammer on uh, on Smash Brothers on, uh, on New Year's. Okay. Okay. But, but you didn't. You didn't partake in Smash Brothers. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't played Smash Brothers since it was proper on the uh, N sixty four, and they're all they're all like a bit younger than I am, and so they're you're like fucking old. I am, yeah, I'm fucking old, and so yeah, they're all like actually really good. Okay, so yeah, I'm not you, trying you to get into gaming. That. You haven't been gaming at all lately, like nothing, nada. Oh yeah, I've been I've been you know doing PC gaming. Okay, like what? Give me give me something. I need something. 
I just finished um, Sniper Elite Four. Okay, <laughs> which which sounds pretty cheesy, uh, but yeah. I actually really liked it. Um, okay. it's it's like it's like a third person kind of over the shoulder view, um, you know, like sniper game set in World War Two. And mm-hmm. it's kind of fun because you can basically like either play the game like super stealthy, like sniper, everything super slow, hiding in bushes, creeping around type thing. Or you can okay. kind of like run and gun if you want. So if I get tired okay. of doing the like sneak and creep thing and I want to just like blow some shit up, you can do it. So it's it's fun. So you can play ultra aggressive like I play every single game ever. I mean, you could extend that just to your general life. But yes, eh, I mean, OK. All right. Um, so 2018, uh, good year for movies, I guess. There's some stuff I liked. I know there was some stuff you liked. Uh, yeah. Quiet Place was my my favorite of the year. I know you don't like to be boxed into saying something is or isn't your favorite. So I will just say it's in your top movies of the year. I won't even say how many. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Okay. Or it's not or it's not in your top favorite. It, it, I don't it know. definitely is. It, um, it's, it's, it, for all intents and purposes, it is probably the number one. I just, yeah, I'm weird about like being definitive like that. Cause I feel like there's maybe some I forgot or yeah. whatever else, I mean, but, but yeah, it is. You just don't like to commit to something. That's true. Yeah. I live in a gray area. Yeah. It's the gypsy, it's the gypsy in you. Um, so why don't you tell me some of your favorite movies of the year? Let's just go over, just, you know, briefly what you liked. I can go over what I liked. We can discuss them quickly and then uh, and then we'll get into uh the quiet place sure sure um okay so other movies that uh that i really like this year uh oh, sorry of 2018 um black panther um black Klansman, uh into the spider-verse uh let's see i i love dogs is another one that i i really really enjoyed that that one might actually be in like the top two or three um mid 90s i thought was good uh, that was that was more of just like a pure nostalgia thing, but I enjoyed it. Uh, the Sisters Brothers I really enjoyed. Uh, Free Solo was really good, different from kind of everything else on the list. Uh, also different from kind of everything else on the list in that it was not a theatrical release. I really enjoyed the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, and then I feel like that's it. I have like a honorable mention for uh, uh, Molly's game with uh, my girl Jessica. But I mean, to be fair, her the <laughs> the the honorable mention is strictly for her cleavage. I mean, the movie's good. The movie's good, but the real superstar of the movie is her cleavage. Yes. Yeah, she it wouldn't have made the like top list just just for the movie. I'm sorry. It, it <laughs> yeah would not have I made the top, top list. Top <laughs> list. No top, top of the list. list. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. Chastain is is near and dear to my heart. I think she's she's one of the best working actresses at the moment um i think that movie's fine it's it was entertaining i don't know that i would ever watch it again yeah she uh is a smoke show in that movie yes um okay so my list is a little different i think we have a couple that are the same two or three that are the same um i certainly do not have black panther on my list um i have black Klansman, uh, a movie called leave no trace which you should go see or not go see now because it's on uh download a blu-ray or whatever but you should see that Mm. uh spider-man into the spider-verse isle of dogs as well um i just actually bought that not too long ago so nicolette can watch it because she hasn't seen it and it's i mean it's probably wes anderson's i think best movie um i just it's it's awesome Mm -hmm. uh incredibles 2 i i really enjoyed and uh another documentary like you said uh 
uh, Free Solo is uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the the documentary on Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. uh, is probably make you cry. I mean, you're 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 a sensitive guy. Might might work you up a little bit. I um, yeah. Just a quick note on that. I have listened to um, a couple of actually. I think there were podcasts about about him and kind of like his life and some of the stuff that he did. I think I dr- listened to one of those like on a drive into work before I moved up to the Bay Area, and yeah, like full on tear jerker in the car driving to work in the morning is rough. Yeah, I mean it's a very. I would imagine the reason they did it when they did it is because of kind of where we are um, in the country at the Mm -hmm. moment. And it's something like this, I think needed to be made and show like what he's about and equality and how he was just wanted to be an advocate for, for children and someone to have, you know, wanted to advocate for their voice and for, you know, segregation and things like that. And, you know, he, he has his like weirdness, I guess, where people assumed he was like, Homo, he was a homosexual or, you know, any number of different things or that it was all an act or he had like some sort of a mental deficiency. But at the end of the day, he was just like a nice dude who uh, just wanted to, you know, reach out to kids and help children. And and I mean, that's what it's about, man. And, and just having a good heart. And it was a uh, it's pretty crazy. I didn't think I you know I have zero interest in Mr. Rogers as an adult. But watching this movie, it, it yeah worked up some emotions. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, so no, no Avengers. Avengers isn't making the list for you. No, it didn't make the list. No Aquaman. <laughs> no, it was close. It was really okay. close, but yeah, they didn't make the cut. No Jurassic fucking whatever it was. Jurassic world. God, no. Yeah. I mean, those are a Jurassic world. What would, what would you say would be the worst movie of 2018? I didn't even ask you that. We should have talked about that. We should have talked about the worst that. That you saw. What's the worst that you saw? Um, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't like really thought about that. And so it's difficult to like off the cuff, think of everything just in 2018. I'm, I'm most bitter probably about Aquaman and it it was just meaning like it was just the most recent. Um, so, so if I did give you like a knee jerk reaction answer, that might be it. Yeah. I I mean, out of what I saw, I think Aquaman is, is by far the worst Jurassic world is right there with it. It was terrible. But I mean, I expected it to not, not, you know, to not be good. And then uh, what was that shitty movie that we saw with uh, Chris Hemsworth and like Dakota Johnson, El Royale? Bullshit? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that movie sucked too, man. Good Was it Good Times or something? Good Times at the El Royale, yeah. Yeah. And I was super pumped about that movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would put it in my like worst of the year, but yeah. I was just like, I don't know. I was so confused walking out of the movie theater. Like, what did we just watch? Yeah, I guess worst isn't wouldn't be the right category, but it certainly was like I think probably the most I was the most disappointed I was. You know, because I had really high expectations for it. Yeah, I, I think it got like even on like Rotten Tomatoes. I think it scored really high though, isn't it? It's it's I mean moderate. I think it's probably in like the seventies. Hmm. But to be fair, so is Aquaman. Yeah. So touche. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah, I know that we're gonna we're gonna put out a, ca- a podcast, whether it's gonna be just like a, a short little podcast or a full, you know, normal hour podcast about what we're excited about for two thousand nineteen. Not sure how that's gonna play out yet, but uh, I know we're gonna cover that shortly. And you have you have your list all ready to go, right? Yeah. All right. So let's get into a, to a quiet place. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. In a post-apocalyptic world, 
A family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing. I mean, that's pretty spot on, right? That's the whole thing? That's the whole thing. Okay. It's like one sentence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is pretty spot on for, you know, if you had to like sum up the whole thing really quickly. Yeah, I think, okay, so before we start getting into, you know, everything we normally get into, I just want to ask you like a real quick question. And it's something I think when somebody asks me about this movie, because I, I ride hard for this movie, you know, I've recommended it to a bunch of different people, um, is they always say, I don't like horror movies. And I always immediately tell them this is not a horror movie. Do you think this is a horror movie? Um, I think it is, but I think that's like a superficial kind of like categorization um, of this because like, yes, technically it is, but, but it's a lot more than that. And so that's, that's the same thing that I've told other people who've like asked about it. Um, it is usually my response is like, technically it's a horror movie, but, but it's really about a bunch of other stuff. And then I'll kind of give some like high level things. Yeah. I, I feel like, so what I always tell them is no, it's, it's more of a thriller, right? And it, it plays on the whole suspense and it's all, it's all implied, you know, all the violence is implied and it doesn't, and when I say all the violence, there's really only what two, two scenes of violence in the whole movie, I think. Um, I just don't think of it as a horror movie, you know? Yeah. I, it, it doesn't have the traditional kind of, um, formula of a horror movie. It doesn't run, it doesn't have the same pattern. I mean, formula pattern, same, whatever. It just doesn't feel like a horror movie to me, but it's by all indications marketed as a horror movie. People say it's a horror movie. Um, I just, I just don't, I don't feel that way about it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely and, like and it, went back. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go for it. I was just going to say, I, I definitely kind of like went back and forth a bit as well on the like horror versus thriller or suspense. Um, and, okay. and I think just like, I don't know if this makes sense, but in my head, it, it kind of got categorized as horror because like you actually get to see the things and, and yeah, there's like a little bit of violence. It's not purely like either, um, you know, jump scares or entirely in your head, like, uh, you know, like something else. Um, yeah. Without going into specifics. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's certainly not like Halloween, which we saw earlier in, in 2018, which is a pure horror movie. I mean, there's no, you're not going to categorize that anywhere else. Right. Yeah. It's just not that, but I, I understand it's not obviously not like a family film. I either it has some family film elements to it. Um, but certainly not something I'm going to show to a child. It's certainly not a family film, but it definitely is a film about family. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, John Krasinski, who's obviously the director, co-writer, star, um, did the mocap for for the monster. Um, he says at the heart of this movie, he wrote this as like a love letter to his children because he was hmm. writing it when they had had their it was either he had their they had their first daughter or their second daughter was an infant. And he was thinking a lot of the elements about like, how would I deal with this if if she was involved with this? Like, like, what would I do? Right. So he says it's, you know, it's a love letter to his kids. Um, and it's about like what a parent will do to, to keep their kids um, safe, which I think that's, that's what it is, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to classify that. Yeah. All right. So 95% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 83% from audiences. I couldn't be further away from 83% for audiences. <laughs> like I don't, I don't get it at all. The only thing I can think of is people saw it after the hype. You know what I'm saying? Cause this was, 
this was a very small movie that came out. It debuted at South by Southwest, um, had a really good opening weekend, and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger from there. But it was, I mean, it's it's pretty close to like an independent film. Right, right. And I think that maybe people saw it after there was a bunch of hype about it. I just don't know where you would get 83% from. Yeah. The only thing that I can think of is that maybe people like went in with the wrong frame of reference, meaning like if you heard that it was a horror film and you know, that's kind of like what you expected to see. It's, it's not, it's not really like that, even though, you know, I just said that it was like part of the, I put in that genre, <laughs> like it, it's more complex than that, I guess. And so I don't know, just like a hypothesis, people could have been kind of thrown off like, Oh, it, like it wasn't that scary and, and just kind of like right. dropped a score because of that. I mean, it's certainly, it's not scary. It's hard for me to be scared in a movie. It's very, I mean, you're on the edge of your seat, like the whole movie. It's tense. Oh, yeah. I guess tense would be the best. Definitely tense. So we, yeah, so you and I, you didn't really know anything about this movie, right? I remember you and I went to see it, but I was like, hey, you got to check out this trailer for this movie. You know, I heard about it. It looks awesome. Check it out. And you checked it out, and I think you kind of forgot about it. And then if I remember, it was going to be coming out, and I was like, hey, let's go check this out. Because at this time, you were still in... You know, we still live by each other, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember you being like, I don't know what the hell that is. And I'm like, this isn't surprising. You, you know, in one ear, out the other, yep. sometimes with you, which I get, I inundate you with a lot of bullshit. <laughs> um, so I was like, here, check it out again. You're all in. We went to go see it. And it was probably the best movie experience I've had in a long, long time. Meaning the actual experience of going to sit down and watch the movie, right? Yeah. It was, it was crazy how collective the audience was with just quiet. I know that sounds ridiculous because you're going to see a movie and everybody should keep their mouth shut. But it was really like nobody was saying anything. You felt like people weren't even breathing, which is obviously not true, but it was just crazy how like locked in everybody was, right? Yeah, I do. I do recall that like pretty, pretty vividly because yeah, there's scenes where there's absolutely zero sound. And I remember it being like, dead silent in the theater which is not something that usually happens yeah usually there's like people opening candy and like popcorn popcorn and like people drinking and or talking or fucking old people or whatever other bullshit is going on but this thing was like dead silent right we saw i believe we saw it opening weekend i think we might have seen it on like a saturday yeah. or a friday or a saturday i don't remember but yeah exactly nobody was like moving around in their chairs. Nobody was opening food. Nobody was eating. It was just like dead quiet. Um, and then, so we went, I think we went out to fucking Panda Express or something right after, right? And I was just like jacked. I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. I loved it. And you hit me with, I can't remember what it was and I wish I could, but you were like, I have a problem with this part of the movie. And I was like, wait a minute. For me, it's it's damn near a masterpiece to me, which I, whatever, but you were like, eh, I have a problem with it. And I think, I think it was about the sound, the way that the, the monsters like heard or the way they absorb sound or something like that. And, but you've since come off of that, correct? Well, so it, it, yeah, I think I talked about a couple of things and I, I still recognize that there are like technical, like, I don't know what you call them, like just things that happened because it's a movie type thing um that okay. you know that it that existed in in the movie but but like after thinking about it for a little bit um and kind of realizing it was 
it was more than like just a horror movie and and something to like kind of be visually entertained and there was like this kind of i don't know sort of thought provoking elements of like what family is um and like why it's important and just talking about like sort of these deeper complex uh yeah complex sort of concepts like family and love is i i really really just enjoyed it the more that i the more that i thought about it and then in rewatching it um kind of through the different uh kind of frame of mind i i enjoyed it you know just as much so it kind of just validated the thoughts of like okay I, maybe i was just thinking about this the wrong way when i first came out of it Okay, so you've watched the movie the one time we saw it in the theater. You've watched it since, obviously, preparing for this podcast. Have you watched it just those two times, or have you watched it a few times? Like what? How many? Times I've watched, watched it a total of three times. Total yeah. of three times. Okay, and and it's you've appreciated it more each time, or you're kind of like where have you been with it? I know you kind of mentioned that as you've watched it more just now. You said you've you appreciated it the second time but like the third time how did you feel anything different or um the the difference between the first and second time was the most drastic because you know just because of like kind of what i did um the the second and third time there was like yeah i, I don't know like i i appreciated it more and like i really really enjoyed it but it wasn't like as drastic as between the first and the second that said i would totally watch it again like i really really enjoyed it Okay. So the, the reason I ask you that is because, so I've watched it, I think a total of six times. So I watched it with you. Um, I watched it by myself almost immediately. I went to go see it again in the theater um, just because I wanted to kind of to absorb it again, kind of by myself. Um, I watched it when it came out and Nicolette wanted to watch it. And I think I've watched it like two or three times since then, most recently a few days ago for the podcast. And what resonates with me with this movie is sometimes it doesn't, I don't have a lot of movie experiences that will do this, this, but it hits every note still for me. Um, meaning like it's almost as tense watching it the sixth time as it was the first time. Mm. Um, it just, it works every, like every emotion it goes for, it hits with me still. Like, you know, we're going to talk about most watchable scenes and everything, but when when John Krasinski dies, like that still gets yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's still an emotional scene. Um, I still care about the characters as I'm, as it going through, you know, I, I find Emily Blunt just as charming as I did the first time I watched it, the sixth time I watched it. So that's why, and, and I rarely have movie experiences that are like, yeah, that. yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I totally agree from, from that perspective of, of like kind of those things yeah, nothing has like fallen off or or lost or kind of like gotten old where you're like, oh yeah, I know what's going to happen. And so it's like it, you know, it lost its its charm or kind of like its its thing. Um, yeah, I, I remember even the third time of that that like very tense scene in the, kind of the beginning of the of the movie where I can't remember the the child's name that they that they lost. Bo, yeah. Um, but like that scene, is there like uh, th that scene? I would I would put kind of next to um, the scene where John Krasinski's character dies in terms of like anticipation and just yeah, I don't know um, how how tense it is. Okay, all right, yeah, that I agree. Um, so let's get into a couple more little facts about the movie. Cost only seventeen million dollars to make. Uh, it made three hundred and forty million in the box office. So a mild success. Yep. Um, the original writers came up with the idea 
they were uh, horror movie fans. They came up with the idea in college uh, and then really couldn't get it anywhere. They just had like the, the overview of what would happen. Um, somehow they got in touch with, with a company who then got in touch with John Krasinski and then he got involved and kind of finished writing it. Um, a sequel has been announced. Uh, so originally the sequel was going to follow just the family after the events of the first movie. Right. But now uh, recently, I think it was November Krasinski said that it wouldn't be a sequel of the movie. It would focus on other people trying to survive the monsters. So not necessarily about that family, but other survivors, Hmm. which I'm more into that idea than I am seeing the same family again. Yeah. Um, Because I mean, like you said, a big part of this movie is the family dynamic. And now that the father's dead, like I just don't think it'll resonate the same way. Yeah. What I want to see is a prequel. Right. Right. That's what I was going to say. That's what I want to see. And I hope somehow that comes out, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, you're going to say something? Yeah. I was just thinking like, so I do want to know, I like, I want to see you know, the prequel and kind of like what these things are and like how they got here or were they always here and like what, what kind of the events were leading up to this. But, but there's also a part of me that's like, you don't need to know, like just kind of enjoy it for sort of what it is. And, and maybe that wouldn't be good. I would assume just leave it all alone. Don't make a prequel or a sequel. Yeah. But if you're going to do one or the other, I'd rather have a prequel. Oh yeah, for sure. Pick before or after. I would pick before yeah. oh, and I would pick um, instead of uh, a sequel, <clears throat> excuse me, instead of a sequel, the like a, you know, parallel universe track type thing of uh, like another family or something else, but in the same universe. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's what it sounds like the sequel is going to be. Nice. A, kind of a parallel universe where, like I said, it's he's saying it's going to focus on other people trying to survive the, the same monsters. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just. So I don't again, I don't know if that's going to mean that Emily Blunt's going to be somehow involved with it. And because and, obviously within the movie, and this is something I wanted to talk to you about, there are other families, right? Yeah, there are other people alive because they indicate when he goes up to the water tower or whatever tower that is, or I guess it's like the grains or what, whatever he's in. Um, he lights the fire and you see multiple other fires light, right? Mm-hmm. So they're giving the signal that there are other survivors. How? Like how many how many survivors do you think there are? I know that's a, a weird question, but does it feel like there are a ton of people alive still? Not a lot of people alive. The only other people you see is the 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 old man and his wife who's been killed, right? Right. So do you think the the world's been like wiped out and there's only a handful of survivors? Because this is like watching it recently and, and being more critical about it, I started to think about these things. So what what do you think? Like knee jerk reaction. Do you think that there's a lot of people alive? Not a lot of people alive? It's, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, one of the kind of like issues that I had at the start, which just felt like a, oh, this is a movie, so you need to get over it type thing, is is they're like kind of giving you some context. And there's the scene in the beginning where they walk past like the newsstand and it has that that newspaper that basically is saying like, oh, it's sound, um, which implies that they're making a shit ton of sound somewhere like running giant newspaper presses and then a delivery person is out like driving around dropping these things off at the point where they already know you're doing the thing that's going to get you killed. So so just like setting aside the the kind of annoyance that I have with that. If if I had to if I had a guess, I would say that like urban areas are probably largely wiped out. 
um, just kind of over time and then out more in rural areas where they are and people who like are able to sustain themselves there, there's probably a higher chance that you could do that for a longer period of time. Yeah. So you're indicate, so you see the newspaper and it says it's sound. So you think that then like your suspension of disbelief is, is out right there because they're essentially running what you're assuming is a, as a large newspaper press and then delivering them in like a newspaper truck, which I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Um, opposed to like someone just driving around in a minivan and throwing them, you know, in, in like newspaper, the, the old newspaper, you know, put a quarter in and get it out. So that's where you're out. Well, I'm, that, that threw you. Yeah. Off. I mean, even if you're driving <laughs> around in a minivan, that would be based on the information that we have from the movie. That would be enough for one of those things to come wreck you. Again, assuming that's what we're, we're talking about. Assuming that that's what they're doing. I mean, that's a, that's an assumption that, that, that they're driving around in a, in, in anything and delivering that. Cause you have to get the word out somehow, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, the newspaper's there, so unless unless in this universe they've come up with teleportation technology, somebody put it there. So right, but uh, again, you could have been on a bicycle. Like, there's any number of different things that they could be doing. It doesn't have to include something that's noisy, though, right? Like, it's, same with the press, they could be doing. I mean, they could be doing a hand press, right? <laughs> they're no. They're yeah, for sure or no, they're not like hand pressing these. There aren't even machines that do that anymore that you could, that would look like a modern newspaper print that you could do in mass production. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in the newspaper business, um, but I, be, I mean, okay. Uh, so what I see when I, when I see that, okay. So going back and, and watching that, I noticed two things about that scene, right? So they show that there's, there's missing people posters, right? When they walk by missing mm-hmm. persons posters. So that means that this has been going on long enough to where they're noticing like people are missing, right? And then they've obviously figured out, okay, what what they're hunting or how they're hunting and that's via sound. So what I think about that is that it's, to me, it indicates that it it was kind of a slow burn. Like these monsters didn't just get here and like wipe out everybody, right? Like they were able to figure things out. Does any of that make sense to you? Um, yeah. Meaning like civilization was able to figure out, okay, these things are here. They're randomly attacking people that we, now we have people missing. So we're going to be put up posters about it. And then we're able to figure out what, uh, how they're hunting us. But above all of that, there's still electricity everywhere. So someone's got to be running the, the, someone's creating electricity, right? So the power plant's got to be operational. Yeah. That was, that was another thing that was like a thing that was like in that category of kind of minor annoyance thing. I mean, that, that could happen though. I don't, how could that, you're assuming that nobody could run a power plant? Well, they're not going to run a generator. Obviously a generator is incredibly loud and they're just not going to, a generator is not going to power. Um, like that whole farm is being powered. They're not, the generator is not, you know, not going to, not, not going to create enough power. No, they definitely have, um, they have electricity Um, and and there could, you know, like if people stop working their shift right now, the power everywhere doesn't just like turn off. So it it would run for, for a little while, obviously. (laughs) Right. But, but however the, the electricity is being generated, um, you, you know, you need, there's going to be some noise produced from that because it's either going to be like, you know, off of coal or nuclear or hydroelectric, hydroelectric. There's like only a few ways that like, you know, this could be produced, all of which would cause some noise. And, and 
you know, based on, again, the information that we have in the movie, it doesn't seem like a slow burn type thing. Like these things just completely lose their fucking mind and have to destroy whatever makes any sound at all, which. Right. But they also, they also indicate that there's only three of them in that area. So there's a possibility that there's just not everywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that they're not, that whoever the power plant is not inundated with these monsters because they, they only show like three of them in this in this area which they don't tell you how big the area is obviously but it's big enough that there's a town and then they go to you know they walk a, a good distance back to their their farm right yeah it's true but I, I guess like i don't know it's sort of implied to me that they let's see th- this is like a broader problem because if it was like there are just these three things in the world and they happen to be in their area there would be other people going in to like you know national guard army marines or whatever to like try and kill these things for sure and i'm not that's not what i'm that's not what i'm implying what i'm implying is in their area that there's only three but they're they're obviously going to be all over the place but in that area so just say they're in that area because they're still survivors, yeah. there, right? I have no idea. This is just what I'm my 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 thought is that they're still air, they're still survivors. So these three have moved from whatever area they were in because maybe they've already everybody's out of that area. They've killed everybody. I don't know. But now they're in this area, okay? Because there are we've we've from the movie the inf- like you said the information we have is that there's a number of families still in that area. So these three that were in the greater area are now focused right there because there's food whatever because i that was my other question are they hunting for to eat or are they hunting for annihilation like what are they doing no i think there's something there's something in the movie where like a note or something i feel like that basically says they're they're not um killing to eat it's just like a to destroy type thing okay i I didn't catch that if that's there um and obviously it is it, it implies also that it's worldwide yeah. Because he's trying, he, you know, at one point he's trying to communicate with other countries and he's crossing off countries, right? Yeah. I think, I think the one that they show him trying to communicate with is, is Japan. Um, so what I'm saying is like, maybe those three monsters, aliens, whatever they're supposed to be are in that area. But now could be that the power plant that was creating noise stopped having noise. I don't know. Monsters moved out of that area because they don't think there's anything there to feed on or to kill. And now they're in that area. I don't know. I'm just trying to trying to figure it out in my head. Sure. But so, but again, what what I was asking about, I guess, you know, 20 minutes ago before we got off on this tangent, is that it implies that it's been going on for for a, a, a decent amount of time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um but so my other question is, so it says at the very beginning, day 89, right? Mm-hmm. The movie starts at day 89. So has it been only going on 89 days? Because that's what it implies. So they've been able yeah. to figure all this out in, in three months. Uh, I don't know. There's like a weird thing that you kind of make the audience do when you you do like the whole what day this is. is like we're kind of forced to do some math and backtrack with like little information. So yeah, who the fuck yep. knows like what, what this represents. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that it indicates that the, the invasion or, or whatever has been going on for 89 days. But my, my, again, my thought process is like, okay, well what have, has, was it full on like invasion where they like some here, some there, which that's what I think that they're just kind of all over the place. Yeah, I mean, they're, it, it seems like they're around the globe, but yeah, I guess to the 89 days thing, like I don't, 
yeah, there's no way to know if it's like they were in Europe first and then were there for, you know, 80 days and it's only been nine days, which, you know, wouldn't make sense based on the kind of infrastructure that they have set up. But yeah, but yeah, who, who the fuck knows? All right. All right. So let's get into the categories. Yeah, sure. Okay. So most uh, watchable scene. So I have the opening scene. So the pharmacy scene, uh, which lays the groundwork for kind of what the movie's going to be about right there. Mm hmm or all everything happens in that scene that kind of tells you like the rules of the movie, the rules of like the monsters and the humans and what you can and can't do. Um, but it's tense, like right off the bat, right? You see a family, you don't know what's going on. The little boy, uh, who's like, I guess the middle child is sick. So they're in the pharmacy trying to find medicine. You have the daughter who I didn't realize going into the movie was going to be deaf. Obviously she's deaf in real life as well, but I didn't realize that she was going to be deaf in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, so they do a great job of cutting the sound to what like you and I would hear to then what a person who's who's deaf would hear. And I think they use that really well throughout the movie, right? Giving you her, her perspective and then our perspective. Um, and then for me, that that opening scene goes all the way until until Bo dies. Right. Yeah. Um, when he dies, are you like, what the fuck? Because I was what the fuck? Yeah, I didn't think they were going to kill a little boy right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like killing kids is like a sort of, you know, social taboo thing. And it's it's minutes in. I don't you know. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like within minutes into the movie and they kind of like set up. Set up like how fucked up the world is. Um, and right. yeah, that was rough, man. I did not think that that was going to happen. No, no, it, it rarely am I like caught off guard in a movie and that did it right yeah. there. Um, there's a funny story that I think the director and, and star John Krasinski has, has said, I think he was on like Jimmy Kimmel or something. And he said, obviously when, when he was writing this movie, um, Emily Blunt, his wife was, was making Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. Right. And at that point she wasn't going to be in the movie. Like she wasn't attached. He was just writing it. And so she would come home and she was all jazzed about like, Oh my God, I flew today. I danced with penguins or whatever. <laughs> and then apparently he's like, well, on page three, I killed it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought I thought that that story was was very funny when I heard yeah. it because uh, yeah couldn't be more different. Right? Oh yeah. Um, so the next scene would be the monopoly scene um, when the you start to see the family infrastructure at their house and what they're having to do and I think it goes from day uh, eighty nine and it goes jumps from day eighty nine to to day four seventy one mm -hmm. I think. Um, so at that point you know it's it's obviously been what uh, a little over a year. Um, she's pregnant now. Emily, you know, the, the wife is pregnant at this point and you see like how they, what they do every day there, you know, she's cooking fish and, and he's tinkering with electronics, trying to figure out how to communicate with other places. Um, and then they show them at dinner, they're playing monopoly. The kids they are using, you know, felt for the, for the pieces and everything. And then they have that first kind of jump scare where they, cause at this point, like, I don't think there's been any dialogue, yeah. right? Not, not one word, all sign language. And they, the kids knock over the lantern and that sound effect makes me jump every single time. Because at this point you're like, what, 20 minutes into the movie and it's been quiet. You're a little more relaxed because you haven't heard anything. So you're used to like, you're almost trying to listen harder than you would normally. You yeah. Know? And, and obviously they knock over the lantern, the, the monster comes, but then they don't, you don't, you don't see it. Um, Funny part of that move, that scene though, is they actually had a real lantern and they had the kids knock it over and it was like real fire because they wanted like the authenticity of it. 
Yeah, I believe. So I thought that was kind of ballsy to to have the kids knock over a fire and just be like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna potentially light you guys on fire. Yeah, I I believe that because it's it's you know knowing that there isn't a whole lot else in the movie, like there's not a whole lot going on. It's very quiet, and there's you know you only have the four actors. Um, yeah, you kind of need like to keep that sort of gritty element. Um, Right. for it to like be impactful i i really enjoyed that that kind of like I, I can't think in my head of like how long it was or if it's one scene or what but i just like the idea that they're they're kind of like trying to continue on with like being a normal family as normal as you know you can be where you know she's like gardening and they're they're obviously like they have a lot of like projects going around in the house and the kids are like playing monopoly so it's it feels very like kind of family family oriented and there's like an element of normalcy that they're like trying to maintain despite the fact that they could get murdered. Well, see, and I think it's, it's interesting because you can really live a normal life, right? With that was just not making any noise. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's not like, I think it would be harder if it was, uh, if they see you, they kill you, right? Because they can essentially be right next to you. And as long as you're not making any noise, you know, if you stand still, they're going to, they're going to go on their way. So I think it lends itself well to being able to build up still that fine, like you're saying, like that family dynamic, living their life semi-normal, being able to do everything you would in the house as long as you're not making any noise or making loud noises, right? Yeah. So you said that there was the four actors in the movie. Do you, do you ever realize how many actors there actually are in this movie? There, there's more than that. Um, there's How many do you think, though? There, let's see. I'm trying to think in... So there's the there's the four the the family right the the four main people in the family then there's Bo who dies five ten minutes into the movie right the little boy so that's five yeah who else is there there's the old man and the wife is already dead I don't know if you count them as like one point two actors um so I'll stop I'll stop you there okay so there are there are six actors that are credited in the movie because you have the five family members and then you have the old man and then the 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 wife is uncredited. <laughs> interesting so she's a she doesn't get credit even though she's in the movie um, so that's it dude that's that's it yeah you have six six point two as you said yep um so before we go to the can continue that category just since we're talking about this how many how many words of dialogue do you think are in the movie oh i don't know i couldn't give a number off the top of my head because they do speak but it's it's very quiet so an average an average film has between 7,500 to 20,000 words in it. How many do you think are in this movie? Mm, I don't know. It's got to be in the hundreds only, right? 90. 90? 90. 90. I was thinking like 300. 90. <laughs> God, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't count them. You know, this is off, this is off, uh, off the interwebs. The interwebs. Um, but I believe it. Um, so yeah, only 90. Okay. okay, let's jump back in the category. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we stopped at the Monopoly scene. Okay, uh, an underrated scene, I think, in this movie is the iPod scene. When she comes down, he's tinkering. She's listening to her music. And it's the first time you see like a real connection between husband and wife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're just, you know, there for each other. I don't know, man. It's the connection between them, the chemistry, obviously they're husband and wife in real life. But the chemistry is is so good yeah. in that scene. Um, and then the stepping, I call it the stepping on the nail scene. 
Oh God. And that, that runs all the way to me until she gives birth. Yeah. So it's, it's a long scene, but you have, you know, you have, uh, uh, she steps on the nail. Um, she drops the frame at that point. Then the monsters come, you know, she turns on the red light at this point, the daughter's already left. Um, the, the son and husband are coming back. They see what's happening. And you just have that, that it's so tense when the monster's coming through and she's, you know, her water's broken. So she's going to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's so, it's so tense to me. And, you know, she gets in the tub, she's going to have the baby. The, they, she can't yell. She can't make any noise. Finally, the, the rockets go off and she gives that like one scream. Yeah. Um, interesting, t- interesting, fact about that scene is that's the only cut of that scene and of her in the tub that they did they did one take and that was it wow killed it um yeah yeah i mean emily emily blunt's like superstar right yeah uh and then the last scene is is lee's death so when when the dad dies um it again i wasn't expecting him to die i don't know why i thought once they killed the little boy they were everybody else was gonna pretty much make it out of the movie yeah. Um, it's a rough scene to watch to me because of the, you, you don't have, you have the disagreement earlier in the movie between the little girl, the daughter and her dad. Um, and she's pretty there. I mean, for the whole movie, they're pretty angry with each other mm-hmm. or just passive aggressively angry with each other. Um, and so when, when she gets to kind of tell her dad, you know, I love you. And then he says, you know, I've always loved you. Um, it gets me right. Mm hmm. So apparently that scene, the little girl's, um, her, her name is Millie in real life, right? Apparently she's the one who recommended him telling her, her care or his character telling her that, um, I've always loved you instead of just, I love you too, because that kind of atones for their disagreement earlier in the movie. Right. Which is pretty, which is pretty, pretty amazing. How old is she in real life? Do you know? I didn't, uh, I can look it up real quick. I didn't, I didn't look it up, you know, before this. Um, but she gives a pretty, I mean, for somebody I've never heard of, I mean, she gives a pretty amazing performance, no? Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's kind of why I asked. Cause I was, wasn't sure if she's actually like way older than she looks. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I don't awesome. know. I, yeah, I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking about it. But so do you have any scenes that you want to add to that? I know I, for a movie that's only an hour and a half long, I know that I pretty much, uh, hit like every, every scene there, but do you have anything you want to add? Um, I, I feel like those, I, I completely agree with all of those being very impactful. The other one that, right. that is kind of is, is like, um, is like some of the others in, in sort of like, I don't know, principle or whatever is right. the one where he takes, um, the son out to like, you know, the goal is to like learn how to fish. And then he ends up like showing him the whole like waterfall and, and just basically like kind of teaching him like how to be able to survive in, in the, in the, in like this world that they live in, which, which like from a meta perspective goes back to the whole thing with them, you know, just trying to like be a family despite that they're, you know, in a pretty shitty situation. Yeah, no, I agree. I I like that scene a ton as well. Um, but I mean, I, I didn't want to put every scene from the movie yeah, I know. in the, in the, in there. Yeah. But no, I, I like that as well. And it kind of gives you, I mean, it makes sense and it shows you it. Well, it sets up an interesting, that scene sets up a lot of, a lot of the movie because again, as they're leaving, they, he has the disagreement with his daughter where she wants to go and the son doesn't want to go. Yeah. So 
is the whole dynamic with with uh, the the father and, and daughter. Do they just blame each other for for Bo dying? Because she she gives him back the toy after the dad says, you know, no, you can't use it; it's too loud, mm-hmm. right? So she gives it back to him, and he and 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 the mom, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, the whole movie are you know they have a conversation about you know I could have held him, you know we could have carried him, we had we had we had our hands free. Yeah. So do they just essentially blame each other, and that's what's happening, or do they assume each other blames each other? Because I always assume I, I feel like they assume that each other is mad at each other. Yeah. I, Meaning I, that the, the, the father and daughter are mad at each other. Yeah. I, I feel like this, this fits squarely back into uh, the, the movie being like about very complex um, things like, like family and love because families like, you know, never easy, um, you know, same thing with like love of, of these concepts. And yeah, there's some element of like, you should have just told me type thing, but, but, but things are really difficult and they live in this crazy fucked up world and they're, they're trying to do a lot with kind of what they have. And so, so anyway, yes, I, I think that, I think that it's sort of a, just each person thought it was the other person, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah. yeah, that's, that's how I look at it too. I don't look at it like, obviously this, this dad isn't blaming his daughter. He's probably blaming himself and then is, is self-aware that he thinks everybody's blaming him and vice versa. She's, she's probably doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's, it's complex, right? Um, they're all trying to just learn how to, to live in this world. And then you have a, a massive tragedy. And on top of that, now you're going to be having another child. Um, so it's just complex, man. Yeah. But, uh. I think that that scene then sets up because she wants to go, you know, she wants to go learn how to fish. And he says, no, you'll be safer here. Even though the whole time he's telling his son, you'll be safer with me. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he thinks he can keep his children safe anymore. Uh, so, so he's going back to kind of like, okay, you know, I'm going to leave the, the, the little girl at home with mom. Um, which is odd to me, but I, I think that he doesn't think he can keep his kids safe anymore. I think he maybe wants to like he's extra protective of her um, because he recognizes that you know she took the batteries out of the toy in the very beginning and gave the thing back to Bo and, and and like deep down he knows that like she's still putting blame on herself for that and so. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that he probably is trying to like shelter her and, and it's like, you know, maybe not the, maybe not the best way to do it of like depriving her of this like skill and training kind of thing. Correct. But, but I think the motivations are around like, I want to, I want to protect you. And so you shouldn't go out. Yeah. I, I, that, that makes sense. That makes, that makes a ton of sense actually. Um, all right. So. So going to standout performance, right? So it you could really just put the whole family in here. Yeah. Um, but I put Emily Blunt as Evelyn, right? I think that she, far and away, acting-wise, gives the best performance of the movie. Um, I think John Krasinski should be in there. But again, because he gives a great performance, but he's also, you know, director, <laughs> co-writer, did the fucking mocap for the for the monster, right? Mm-hmm. Or the suit, everything. Um, and then Millie Simmons for for Regan or Reagan. Um for, as the daughter, I could put the son in as well. I just feel like he's not, he's great in it, but I feel like he's not as asked to do as much. Yeah. Right. 
Um, so yeah. So who would you think out of that group is, is the best or would you just kind of give it to everybody? Um, I don't, it's really tough. Like, you know, because obviously again, there's the cast is pretty small. Um, I, I, I want to like put it to the whole family because it's really like the dynamic of everybody working off, off of each other. Uh, and the whole like family element of it. If you force me to pick one person, I probably would pick Emily Blunt as well. I thought she was like yeah. just absolutely masterful with this. Yes. And even when she's like commute, there's the scene where she's, she's talking to her son and she's teaching him math, I think. And she's explaining to him why he needs to go with his father and, and learn these skills because she, they need to be able to take care of her when she's old mm-hmm. and gray and has no teeth. And it's just such a, like you feel like that's actually their mom. Yeah, oh yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like she does such a good job. Um, I would agree with you, but I think that, that Millie Simmons, if, if she's not good in that role and she was born in 2013. So she was, I don't know what, 14 when this, when she filmed this 13 or 14, um, it doesn't work. Like yeah. if it, that's the thing with kid actors. If, if they're not, if they don't give a great performance, it's not going to work. You know, they're either really good or really bad, I think. Yeah. Um, so worst performance and, and, and Jamie Foxx award for overacting. I'm, I'm skipping by this because <laughs> nobody, I mean, there's, yeah. there's six people in the movie, seven people. Yeah. It, we're good. Um, who did the most of the least? Again, this is a difficult, this is difficult because there's so few people in the movie, right? Um, I think the little boy who plays Bo for the little bit he's in it is, is fantastic. Again, not asked to do much, but he's using, you know, he's, he's, he's acting in it still, you know, he's, he's having to interact with, with his sister. You know, he has to, to give the look of horror right before he gets killed. Um, the real winner of the, of the, who did the most of the least is the nail in the stairs. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Because two things, all right. It's twofold. One, none of this happens if she doesn't step on that nail and drop the drop the frame or whatever, right? The monsters don't hear her. They don't come, right? Mm-hmm. Two, is there anything worse in movies, a worse injury than stepping on a goddamn nail? No, it's it's for sure one of the worst. Home Alone, to me, yeah. it's the worst, right? Yeah, full Marv move. Yeah, this movie, awful. Dude, Bruce Willis, Die Hard, stepping on glass, it's not a nail, still something going in your foot. The no. worst, man. Shout out to nails. <laughs> Shout <laughs> Under- out to nails. Underappreciated in movies, man. Do you have anybody you would like to write in <laughs> to who did the most with the least? No, I think you covered literally every actor in the movie. Uh, the dude who played the man in the woods, Leon Russum. Is he the guy who did the bitter beer face in uh remember the commercials that the, yeah. you drink a beer and your face gets all fucked up? Is that him? I do. He's got I don't a, think so. He's got a real, like, let me chew on my own face vibe. <laughs> he kind of, kind of does. And yeah. which is like the right uh, amount of craziness. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was a different, uh, different person. All right. Do you think, why is that? Okay. So this, again, thinking about it, just watching the movie, I understand his wife just died, right? I don't know how far they are away from the family. I don't even know if he knew the family before. I don't even know if that's the family's farm right before I'm assuming it was. Doesn't he have any kind of emotional connection with them? Like, why is he just going to? like scream when the little boy and the dad are right there. Like what, how about you let them walk away a little bit? Right. The, yeah, this is another thing that was like minor annoyance for me of like, it, this just happened to happen as they were walking by. They're close enough that it was like on their, 
presumably normal route, but they didn't, it didn't seem like he knew them. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it felt a little kind of convenient for me. And okay. yeah, yeah, well, obviously it's built on convenience. Meaning like the, the store, like how many, all stories and movies are built on convenience, right? Like this has to happen for this to happen. Like it's, it's not like they're doing something new with that. Right. No, but it just felt like it, it felt like a big thing. It was a big thing, but all right. Um, next category is, does this still work? I got nothing, dude. This movie came out fucking six months ago. Yeah. Everything still works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then going to the next category, this still works again, everything. <laughs> yes. Like, it hits every note. I mean, we talked about it earlier. It hits every emotion it's supposed to hit, right? Yeah, I don't think this still those questions apply for uh, for current movies or recent movies. No, but there are there are movies. The second time you watch it, you're like, okay, it worked. The like Sixth Sense for 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 me is something that obviously worked really well the first time you see it, but then the second time you see it because you understand the big reveal at the end, you start picking it apart. Right. You can understand things that like, OK, I just missed that the first time because I wasn't actually looking for it. I this see. doesn't that, have anything like that. Yeah, that's that, that wasn't like my interpretation of the question. That would for me be more of like, does it work? Is it is, can you repeat it and still get the same amount of joy versus does it still work, which implies it's a point of time reference? Mm, OK, I see that um, for me, it would be just not necessarily a point of it can be a point of time, but it also can be, you know, you've watched it another time. And so yeah. watching it again, does it still work? You can interpret it, I think, either way you want to. But I know you like to interpret things that that um, are different than than I'm thinking. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, would Gary <laughs> would this movie be better if Gary Oldman was in it? And if so, who would he play? Nope, wouldn't be better. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, I don't perfect think as be, it is. I don't think it'd be better. Uh, I think maybe you could swap him out for the old man in the woods, but. I don't know that it'd be. What about it the monster? <laughs> Gary Oldman. Could he be the monster? Monster played by Gary Oldman. Yeah, I mm. dig it. Uh no, I think I think I think uh I think it's good how it is. Um I do have another question for you though, right? In the movie, you see them turn their normal lights into red lights, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that when they turn them from white or just clear to red, there's a humming noise? I remember hearing the humming noise, but I don't think I ever thought anything of it. You think it's intentional to draw the, to try to draw the, either to do an amp, to give ambient noise or to draw away the monsters? Because I've never thought about it until this most recent time I watched it, that that's what they're trying to do. And it, also obviously trying to like, you know, to, to let the people know, to warn them that yeah. there's something happening or that they're in the area. But could it be that it's actually twofold? Like the, you're asking if they intentionally set it up to I'm to bring them in. I'm asking you if that they. I'm asking you. Do you think that they? What I'm theorizing, right, is that they already know, or that they know that the red lights hum, so that they put the red lights there and turn them from clear to red, because when the monsters are in the area, it's going to draw them away from the house into that area specifically. Outside the house, you mean? Correct, because they're outside of the house. So if the monsters are like again, so in that in that scene, they're in the house, right? Or Emily Blunt knows they're in the house, 
right? She, she sets up the timer. Um, they freak out and go to the timer. She's able to get away. And as she's getting away, she flips on the red light, right? Mm-hmm. So is she doing that to try to draw them out of the house into that area specifically? So to give her like time to get away or whatever. Mm, I didn't get that feeling at all. Um, mainly because it, it, it felt like more of, let's see. It felt like, like a, like a warning. Well, I, I don't, I think, I feel like it was an audience thing the way like I interpreted it, meaning like it, it was a way to like really emphasize that they, that they were doing this thing with turning the lights on and that there was something very wrong. Um, and so like the, the, the tone was kind of changing, I guess, or, or maybe just like their kind of goals were changing. So you think that they did that strictly for the audience? Because, I mean, what I think it's pretty clear is that she does it to tell John Krasinski not to come in the house because they're they're there or that she's in danger. I didn't think that largely because there's like not a great way for them to have tested that. And if they knew that it would make noise, why would they intentionally like turn on the red lights? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying so that's what I'm theorizing. But I'm saying it's pretty clear that the reason that they have the light change is that so she can just warn because she knows he's coming back at some point. She turns it on to warn them, like, I'm in danger. Either don't come in or just I'm in danger. Like, why else would they have lights that change colors? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of just the red lights in uh, of themselves, yeah, the, the red was like a warning. Okay. Because <laughs> I thought you were saying that they're just – it was just willy-nilly and they just put it in the movie just to make the the – the audience like realized that the tone of the movie was changing. No, no, you asked initially about the sound. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm asking. That's what, that's like an unanswerable question that I just realized as I was watching it. But I think that obviously the, the reason that it's there is so that she's giving a warning that don't come back. But what I'm asking is it, is it twofold? Cause that you don't ever get an answer and they have a close up of the lights when they change and they go from no sound to an audible sound to a humming. That's why I was asking if we're supposed to, as the audience, uh, catch that, or am I just looking into it too much? Yeah. I, I, I feel like if you're talking about the sound specifically, I feel like that was for the audience. The lights were as the warning. Got it. Got it. All right. Um, so we're going to go into, uh, to most memorable, was it most memorable line, right? Um, it's a movie with with ninety words of dialogue. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, is what do you think about this line? Uh, about the about the question. <laughs> no, man, it's me trying to be funny and just be quiet because oh, there's no Jesus fucking dialogue. Christ. I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck are you talking about? Like, are you are you asking a question?" Oh my god. Um. The only line of dialogue that I, I truly like in the movie is uh, who are we if we can't protect them, which is what Emily Blunt says to John Krasinski when their kids are gone. Besides that, there's no fucking lines of dialogue for the most part. Yeah. Do you have anything you would like to add? The only, the only <laughs> a quiet place jokes, folks. We got, we got them here. Um, uh, Jesus. The, the, the only other thing I might add is, is that scene at the very end, just before Lee dies. The like I've always loved you. Is that what he says? Can you? So that's that. That's what's that? That that's what he says. Right? I've always loved you. Yeah, I've always loved you. Yeah. Um. Is that? Do you consider? 
was it American Sign Language? Can I use that as a line of dialogue? I don't know, because that's what I struggled with watching it, because there are more lines than if you look at that. Um, I just didn't know if we were, you know, I just, is that considered a line of dialogue? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like if you were to, if you were to ask somebody from the, um, the organization that the name is spacing on me, but basically the like signing organization, they would still probably call it dialogue, even though it's not like verbalized. Spoken. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, who do you associate this movie with? Like whose movie is it at the end of the day? Do you think it's John Krasinski's movie? Do you think it's Emily Blunt's movie? Do you think it's just the family? What do you yeah, think? for me, it's it's the family. I, I You can't like pull one person out and, and have the the strength and the reasons that I enjoyed it still kind of be there. So it has to be everybody. Okay. Um, do you, like, what do you wish there was more of in the movie? Is there something that, that you want to see more of? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I, I, you know, I'm obviously curious about the monsters or whatever they are. That said, yeah. I, I don't know if I actually want more of them. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I just, I don't, yeah, yeah. It, might, it might ruin some of it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, I think less is more when it comes to monsters. I think in general, like movies that are considered horror movies or thrillers, I think it's always better. Less is more. Yeah. Um, I think you need to, you know, it's like the Jaws theory, right? It's all implied until the very end of the movie when you actually see Jaws. I mean, that's why Jaws works. One of the reasons it works so well, because you never really see the shark intended or unintended or unintended because obviously the shark did, you know, broke a lot during the filming. So you don't actually see him that, that often. Um, what is that M night Shyamalan M night Shyamalan, whatever his name is movie, uh, with the fucking monsters with Mel Gibson and, and Joaquin Phoenix. Oh yeah. Um, uh, signs. I can't think of it. Signs. Yeah. But you, you know, you don't see the monster or the alien for like half of the movie and it really works. Cause the first time you see him, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Right. Um, for me, and I, we kind of touched on it earlier. I want to see, you know, the first 88 days. I want to see how they get to that point. Um, or I want to see day 89 between day four, four, uh, 71, you know, mm -hmm. like I just want, I want to see a little more, but I don't know if I think that would probably hurt the movie because yeah. the movie works so well. Um, all right. So, so we're going to get to, unless you have anything, anything else you want to bring up, going to get to your favorite question of the podcast, right? Um, quiet place underrated overrated what yeah yeah no i'm thinking you asked me unless you have any other questions and i said um so the only thing that that i think i have before we get to the under over properly is when you so stepping outside of just this movie going back to kind of like the the formula of of talking about uh about different movies one of the questions that you originally sent over that I don't think you've ever actually asked, at least with me, is uh, how does this movie make you feel? And I feel like broadly, we've already talked a lot about this, about, you know, for me specifically, the whole uh, element of like family and how complex these things like love and family are. But but I, I, I Let's see. I'm trying to like think this through as I say it because I just it just occurred to me. But I this movie made me feel more I've, than most movies recently has made me feel. Have yeah, if that makes sense. Like I said, I'm just trying to like think through this. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it invokes actual emotion from you. Yeah. I get that. The reason I don't ask that question specifically, um, A, because I think you're going to shit on it. B, uh, because, it, you, you know, we get to it in a roundabout way every podcast. Yeah. You know, I'm, I think based on some of the questions I ask, some of the feedback you give, I think I'm able to get that kind of how the movie overall makes you feel or certain scenes make you feel by asking the questions. Um, yeah. I, again, I just, I assume that you're, you're not going to, you're not going to want to talk about that question uh, specifically. So that's why I don't, I don't ever bring it up. No. Yeah. I mean, I feel like for this particular movie, it was, it was one as I was like setting up my, my, you know, things to look for while watching the movie of something that's just like, yeah, there's not a whole lot of movies that like, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like really hit on this thing of like, how does this movie make you feel? And and this one um, was very strong in that space for me. So anyway, just a comment. Okay. Um, something that I didn't mention, and I'm, I think you may have briefly mentioned at the beginning, is uh, the score for this movie is used to me, it feels like almost like a character. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning because the movie is so quiet and you're listening so intensely, it they they do such a good job of invoking like fear or calming or any number of emotions from the score itself. Um, originally, apparently, from what I was reading, that they weren't going to have a, a score in the movie, and they decided to do it because they couldn't be like so outside the box that the movie was essentially almost all in sign language, and then they weren't going to have any any kind of you know music or or anything, and so they decided to add that. Um, but I think that they do a, an amazing job of the music, which I can't even think of a, a sound in the movie right now or what the score sounds like. But I just know that they they do a great job of when you're supposed to be scared, they make the you know they 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 give you that feeling, or when you're supposed to be happy or or whatnot. So they did a really good job with that. Yeah, I totally agree. Just on the point of there being so few um, people in the movie and so few really just anything, um, the the sound not even like just the score, but just like all sound in general. Uh, yeah. I agree with you. Felt like it was like a whole other kind of actor almost. Yeah. All right. So a quiet place overrated, underrated or properly rated. So again, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, 95% uh, critics, 83%, you know, uh, general audience. What do you think? Hmm. Let's see. It's it's somewhere between underrated and properly rated because I I feel like uh, half the people that I talk to about this movie or that I've I'll mention like hey I'm gonna I was telling a few people that we were gonna kind of do this and just thinking about like sort of best movies of 2018. I feel like of half the people that I talk to the other half like didn't see the movie at all. And so, so I don't know. I don't know if it's just like, you know, because it felt like a bit indie for a bit, people just kind of looked over it or people who thought like, Oh, I don't like horror movies. Um, you know, they just didn't watch it. And so I don't know if like the, the sample size is, is correct. Yeah. I mean, I, based on kind of what you're saying. So I, I had a friend recently, um, she wanted to watch the movie, uh, but was like, I don't like horror movies. And I'm like, again, the same thing I said at the beginning, it's not a horror movie. You know, it's, it's to me, it's like a thriller. And you know, for me, it was the best movie of 2018. So based on that recommendation, like she went and watched it. 
Um, I had the conversation recently, not recently, but with Gerald right before Comic-Con about like, hey, have you seen this movie? No, I haven't. You got to watch it. So I think it's underrated just because I know a lot of people haven't seen it. I don't know how it, it came out now, shit, almost a year ago, because I think it came out in what, um, I guess not almost a year ago, but in April. Um, and it kind of just fell by the wayside. I think it came out right around the same time Avengers came out too. So obviously that was what it was. Um, but now with with Bird Box, like I've talked to people who are, they see Bird Box, right? And they're like, oh, have you seen it? And I said, no, I haven't seen it. Have you seen A Quiet Place? Oh, isn't that the movie that's a knockoff of Bird Box? So I think this movie fell in a weird, even though it made a ton of money, it fell in this weird, you know, time period where people didn't end up seeing it or not a ton of people ended up seeing yeah. it. So I think it's a little bit underrated just for that fact. Yeah. But I've yet to find anybody who actually watched it who didn't like it. Yeah, that's a good point. Of the people that I've talked to as well, I don't know anybody who didn't enjoy it for one reason or another. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, dude. Well, are we actually agreeing on this? Maybe, maybe. Um, I was going to say, so you still haven't seen Bird Box? I have not. I know we're going to discuss it on our uh, end of the month, what movies we watched. Have you watched it already? I did. I did watch it. And? I mean, I don't I don't want spoilers or anything, but I don't even really necessarily want to know what you thought. I don't know why I'm asking. And uh, is it a knockoff? Is it a knockoff of A Quiet Place? We don't we don't have to talk about it then. <laughs> good, good. Um, I will watch it and, and we'll discuss it, obviously, but I would rather discuss it uh, for the first time on the pod. Yeah, you need to. And you, yeah, you need to see it just um, because this is. It's, it's, you know, there's some relation and A Quiet Place is your number one for 2018. So relevant to your interests. All right. Uh, but I don't like Sandra Bullock. So, yeah. Unless she's in speed. <laughs> wildcat. Unless she's a wildcat driving a bus. All right, dude, this was fun. Yeah, this was fun. Um, it makes me want to punch you in the face a little more. I don't know why, but I just want to punch you. So, yeah. Thanks for being on. <laughs> yeah yeah no uh no problem happy to be here i don't mind making you feel violent <laughs> all right buddy we'll talk to you later as always i want to thank you guys for listening thanks to damien for being on even though he's a pain in my ass uh, make sure you guys are giving us a review uh reviews on itunes are, are big for us right now so rate review subscribe itunes spotify podbean stitcher soundcloud uh, a lot of new stuff coming up pretty excited can't wait to to share it with you guys we'll talk to you next week shout out to gary olden